Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round three recap for this week's Open Championship. And joining me to break it all down, it's Mark Immelman. Mark, 18 holes to go. Good to have you. Yeah, it's good to be with you. I'm uh, I'm sure you're feeling like me. Your, your, your evenings have been starting earlier, and your days have been finishing earlier than mine. But it's been so much fun watching this on TV. Um Honestly, I'm I'm sort of showing the sloth in me, but I've just lazed on the couch most days. And if I've moved, it's to go to the pool and to get something to eat. But that's been the extent of me and my golf watching. There you go. Yeah, I'm not even sure what time it is. I'm just I just know when golf is on and when golf is over, and then we pod, and then I figure out when sleep comes somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in there. Um, Saturday's round, Mark, was uh, somewhat interesting. We we have not had Mother Nature present seemingly all week long. The winds that we thought we were going to see uh, hasn't happened, but there was a couple of really notable post-round interviews, one from John Robb, one from Louis Oosthuizen, alluding to how difficult the pin positions were on yeah. Saturday and how devious they were, because that's really now uh, the RNA is kind of real defense, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, look, I, as I watched this, I thought the wind was just enough today. Look, obviously I'm not out there, so I'm speaking with a disclaimer. So don't come after me on social media, but from what I saw from the shots, the players were hitting and stuff, it wasn't like they were having to manufacture too, too much in terms of flatting balls down, cut off follow throughs, changing of clubs and stuff like that. And, and they were still playing pretty aggressive off the tees. The, the real defense for the golf course was the whole locations, because as we documented now, uh, in our setup podcast for this open championship as far as the open rotor goes these in my opinion are by far and away the most undulating greens of all of the golf courses from muirfield to litham to hoy lake to portrush all of them and there's so many pretty big size humps and there's been some good camera work where you've seen situations kind of from low level where you can see a five foot rise in a green Mm. now that is something to contend with then you mix in slightly slower greens with that and then you, you're putting into the window downwind it, it really it, it keeps a player on the back foot if you will and some of the whole locations today were not in places like in rounds one and two where you could feed the ball into the hollow today they were cut up on top of the uh, a lot of the ledges and so getting the ball close to the the flag was difficult and then there was just enough wind where you you're not playing target practice really you're going to be crafty enough because the golf course was firming up so you'd have to skip a ball up a plateau or something like that so it wasn't target <clears throat> target practice by any stretch of the imagination early in the morning it looked a little easier but as the day wore on you could see the golf course changing personality and i mean unless they give this place a little spritz this evening <laughs> which i don't think they're likely to it's probably going to be a handful tomorrow that i can guarantee 
Well, that handful will have to be uh, challenged by not one, not two, but three major champions atop our leaderboard with 18 holes to go. And it's King Louie who stands alone at the top. Mark a one under 69 on Saturday to advance to 12 under. And he has been doing the same thing seemingly all week long. He's been steady, Eddie. He's been fairways and greens. Give himself an opportunity to roll in putts. Is that what you saw from him today on Saturday? Yeah, well, look, having worked with Louis as his instructor or consultant, whatever you wanted to call me at the time in the past, I saw a little bit of his swing tendency show up. You know, he's got a tenderish back, and so he loses his body shape through contact. And so as a result... You can get away with the driver because you can catch it on the up and out a little bit more. But when you've got to pinch an iron or, or not turn one to the left too much, or when you've got to squeeze an iron out there and hit a little fade shot, if you will, that becomes hard from the spine angle he carries through contact when he's a little awry. And I saw some of that today. His, his backswing wind-up looked a little short with the irons, and mm. it's something he works on with Justin Parsons, and that causes that sort of early extension of his body. So... He wasn't as sharp with the iron game, but the driver was very much on point. And obviously he made a number of crucial putts, which you have to do, especially on a golf course like this, um, if you want to contend and then by extension win. But the thing that I saw Louis do was sort of one of those immeasurables where he just, even when it wasn't going so well, he never really looked very flustered. There was never panic there. Um, it just looked like he kept going because he knew there was still so much time left. And with the fans out there, you could hear the roars and you could hear the shouts and the screams and stuff. And not once did you catch him kind of looking over his shoulder or trying to find a leaderboard with his eyes and stuff. He was just keep going. I'll play my way through this. I'll get in with limited damage. If I don't sort it out, then we'll, you know, make an adjustment afterwards and, and have another go tomorrow. Kind of like what I saw out of him at the final round at the U.S. Open. He was in the final group, and he didn't start off very well at all. And there was all manner of histrionics in front of him. Bryson was going bananas. Rory was making a charge. Ram was up front making birdies. And Louis didn't look that sharp, but he just stayed around. You know, he just hung around there and picked one or two off. And all of a sudden, he had a shot to win. Didn't close it out. But he had a shot to win, and I saw more of that today. So there's an air of comfortability about him right now. It looks like, you know, I'll just keep going, and 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 we'll see where the chips fall after 72 holes. That kind of, I don't want to call it degradation of his swing, but when his swing does kind of f fall apart a little bit, just a tiny bit, do you think that is because we're now in the third round, it's a lot of holes, it might be stressed on the back, do you think that it is uh, pressure, or do you think it is just, hey, it's hard to be really consistent on every single swing? Yeah, you know, all of the above <laughs> there. You, you, you're so right. I mean, I, I you've seen, I've spent a lot of time on Twitter the last few days, um, mm -hmm. and and I'm I'm amused and it takes a lot of discipline out of me where all the golf swing pundits start pining. <laughs> and, and why is Louis golf, Louis golf swing going badly and stuff like that? And yeah, it's pressure. I mean, the pressure that these guys are playing under right now. I, I must give kudos to Justin Leonard, who I've got high respect for. I was catching some of live from after before you came on. And he's like, man, it's just a different pressure they're playing under. And it's relentless. And that stuff shows up in your body. It shows up in the feel in your fingers, you know, in, in your decision-making at times. With Louis, it shows up because even with that syrupy rhythm, 
he doesn't get his body body fully wound up, so he spins out essentially too early. So it's pressure. It's more difficult conditions. It's one or two bad lies. Man, he drew what I saw a horrid lies in the fairways today where Mm -hmm. you're not going to hit yourself a flush iron shot. And then add to that, I'm sounding like, no, I'm not being super Louis defensive. But then I watched someone like Colin Morikawa today where it appeared that he was in a place with his approach shots where he had almost a perfect club every single time. If you heard him and JJ, it was like seven iron, perfect. And then he'd make a full swing. Or if you heard this, he had the fade to hold it into the wind. Everything was just sort of setting up where Louis, it was like, man, I'm in between clubs over here and that lies funky. And I've got to try and create something. So that's all of the stuff that goes into it. That I still rue that that stuff's not measured when people start opining on what's really going on. Justin Ray lets us know that history uh, a bit on Louis's side here. He's the 12th player since 2000 to lead a major outright, no ties, outright after rounds one, two, and three of the previous 11, Mark, eight have gone on to win. So Louis will be the 12th. We will get the outcome of that tomorrow. But history says being in this con- this control of your game for the first three rounds tends to bear itself out on Sunday. Yeah, uh, and and I'll share a lesson that my brother got um, from Gary Player the eve of the final round in the 08 Masters when Trevor led for all three rounds and he went into the final round with a two-stroke lead. And the conversation he had from with Mr. Player the night before was Gary was like, you just got to be a big boy tomorrow. There's going to be headwind. There's going to be uphills. And you got to now navigate your way through this. And you've got to be tough mentally. And you've got to hang in there and meet the rough and the smooth with the same attitude kind of thing. And and he did, and he extended his lead and won. Uh, the thing about Royal St. George is, to me, the way the golf course appears to be shaking out with this consistent wind direction we've had is that if you survive the open, the opening stretcher holes, like, like I mentioned on the podcast, four five, seven is not an easy par five, but four and five are beasts. Eight's a great par four. 11 is a mean par three. 12 is easy. And then 13 is kind of a difficult par four. If you survive that stretch, then you've got a little stretch where you can make some hay coming in. So that observed, I feel like if you are in the final group and everything's in front of you, you have chances. Mm -hmm. So let's say someone in front of you goes through 14, the par five, and doesn't make a birdie, pardon me, I've got my holes mixed up, 15, the hard par four, goes through there, doesn't make a birdie, you've got that chance that they've already spent. So I would say that someone out of the final group certainly has the advantage tomorrow if they're both playing well. Uh, well, speaking of the final group, we're going to talk about Colin Morikawa, but Mark, it is not lost on me that there are one, two, three South Africans on the first page of the leaderboard, my friend, all within the top 10. Yeah, it's so special. It's, it's so special. And look, uh, open disclosure, I'm I'm a dual citizen. I'm an American citizen. I uh, took the oath of allegiance and we moved here for a reason. It's a gr- it's the greatest country in the world. But I'm a homeboy, you know, deep down. And given what's gone on in South Africa over the last few days with the unrest and all that political upheaval, and now it's coming out that it was actually an attempted coup on the government, um, just to see these boys get up there and play with that little extra whatever it is that 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 point to prove you know uh, it's it's been very cool and and shout out to dylan and to dean burmester who played well and and all the guys who to close to the top of the leaderboard I'm, I'm so happy for them i think of the 13 that played there were only like three that missed the cut 
And then, of course, Louis at the top of the pile. Louis at the top. Dylan Fratelli, Justin Harding inside the top ten. No, no boy, heck. We've, he's from my hometown. I, honestly, we grew up – well, he's a lot younger than me, but grew up at the same golf course as what we did. And so it's, it's uncanny to me that from that golf course, you've got a Masters champion in Trevor, Justin Harding, who's won multiple times around the world. And, you know, if he did something crazy tomorrow, who knows? But um, it, it's, it's, it's pretty cool that these boys are coming through. Very cool. We'll keep a close eye on those guys for Sunday. But it's Colin Morikawa who's going to be in the final group with Louis Ustazen. And Mark, this was uh, maybe to me the most impressive round of the day. Uh, Morikawa was just, I mean, the wheels were ready to fall off the first couple of holes. He made a, a pretty good par save on one. I thought he made a pretty good bogey save on two. He could have easily started bogey double. He played the first five in two over and was four under bogey free after that. He kind of has this ability to reset, rely on the strengths of his game and not just this. This could have very easily gone sideways. It's the old head on young shoulders that he possesses and, and the really mature and savvy approach to the game that he carries. And and no one spoke about it, even though you're a major champion in Colin Marikawa in the final group on Saturday at the Open for Pete's sake. I mean, it, it's, these guys are nervous. So you come out and you're just a little scrappy and, you know, kudos to him for surviving that stretch. Cause there'll be a stretch like that. I'm certain tomorrow where you've just got to dig in, you know, kind of survive a little bit and keep yourself in position to be able to land a few punches and hopefully lift the claret jug. It's not going to be plain sailing for anyone in contention tomorrow because they're playing with, the leader's burden, I call it, you know, when uh, you've got everything to lose, if you will, where the guys in the chase pack, they can just fire and, you know, hopefully things work out for them. So there's some of that burden and that starts happening on a Saturday. Um, so there was some of that, but, you know, credit to him because he did, he found it, he tightened it up. He played very, very smart golf. You know, even though he hit the ball close a bunch of times, he was never really short-sighted. And so, I mean, it was vintage Marikawa, and it's the reason why I, I hold him in such high regard. I mean, I mean, the guy is a, he is a generational talent. Uh, I've got a stat for that. Certainly is. Uh, Sunday is going to be Morikawa's first time in the final group of a major on Sunday, which will be interesting. So it'll be his first time kind of with 18 holes to go with his feet in the fire. But here's the historical stuff because Morikawa already very young, already four wins, already one major. And if he starts to add to that resume, it puts him in a, in a very, very elite club. So here we go. The last two players to reach multiple major wins as the majors are defined today in eight or fewer starts, Gene Sarazen <laughs> yeah. and Bobby Jones. You've heard of him, Mark. Let me, let me throw this one out to you. Both of those guys were born 1902. Nothing close to that in the modern game. <laughs> well, you know, records are there to be broken and someone's going to do it. Um, he's eminently capable. We, we've known this since he came out of college. You know, he, uh, fortunately for him, in a funny sort of a way... He flew under the radar with that group that came out. You know, it was all about Wolf with a snazzy swing and the swagger and Victor Hovland, the USAM champion. But always, to me, Marikawa was the best player. Um, and he had not just the complete physical gifts, but he's just so savvy. And, and he plays such a smart game and, and, and he plays his game. And so that's why I've always been so impressed. And 
when I've watched him in practice or when I've watched him in practice rounds, the way he goes about his craft is, you know, I'm sure very comparative to those two names and then other Hall of Famers that you list. And I'm not saying he's destined for the Hall of Fame, but I'm saying if he stays injury free and he does what he's capable of doing and he keeps his head on straight, um, the sky's the limit for this guy. Uh, Jason Sobel uh, on Twitter, I believe, pointed out something that I thought was is the way that I feel about Morikawa this week. You know, he had he had mentioned that he was struggling uh, with the way his irons were impacting turf. In fact, he actually replaced, I believe, his seven, eight, and nine irons for this week, and he's actually still using now two different putting strokes on the green, the claw grip as he's closer and a more conventional grip as he's further away. And you wonder, wow, what could this guy do if he was actually just feeling comfortable out there? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it also shows the wisdom that I was referencing because, you know, your typical professional golfer, and I say this respectfully, if they're not hitting the ball well, they go to the range and they look inward and they start blaming themselves in their golf swing. Lord knows, as a golf instructor who's worked on both major tours, I can attest to that because I get you, the instructor gets called over. We saw that with Spieth, right? Where Colin's like, Mm-mm, let me look at my golf clubs first. And then he understands too, like with that putting stroke, they're not two different putting strokes. It's just different leverages on the blade. So when he goes with his regular grip from long range, he can get a bit more pop. So moving the ball over a longer distance on slower greens is easier. Then over the shorter putts where you need a bit more face stability, the the whatever pencil grip, what claw, whatever you call it, uh, that can keep the face more stable. So he's going to make more short putts. I will say this though, um, he looked dynamic with the iron clubs in his hand today. But if he wants to win, he's going to have to make putts tomorrow. I'm sorry, I, you you are not going to out hit the competition around here. Yes, you'll give yourself lots of opportunities, and I would wager a guess that he will have more looks at birdie than most. But those things have to go in. And then when you do hit the bad shot, then you've got to be able to get out there and minimize the damage. And, and so the, the, the stuff around the greens is going to be telling tomorrow. Yeah, it's a sprint from here on out. In the penultimate group, Jordan Spieth is going to start the final round, three shots back of Louis Oosthuizen, and it didn't seem like that was going to be the case for the majority of Saturday's round, Mark, because Spieth went out in 32. That's three under. He made a birdie on 10, so now he's four under through 10, and you're thinking, oh boy, uh, it looks like he's going to be in the final group, and it looks like he's the favorite to hoist the Claret Jug. Unfortunately, he makes a bogey on 11. He makes two kind of ugly bogeys on 17 and 18, one of which included missing a very short putt uh, for par on 18. And now it is a a different story for Speed three shots back. Yeah, it was, you know, his round was typical Jordan. You sort of never know what's going to come out of the barrel. <laughs> and, and, and his golf swing to me looks like he's understanding it, but it certainly doesn't look like everything's completely buttoned up, you know, unlike a Marikawa or a Louis or a John Rahm even, where the thing looks like it's doing the same thing. Um, but he, he's just playing golf. And that miss on 18, I, I, I said to my dad, my parents are up here for the weekend. I said to my dad, I'm like, he's going to rue that miss tomorrow afternoon yeah. late. And it's sad that it would come down to that, but that's championship golf. That is golf. And that should if we all just take a step back and not go, oh, dang, Jordan might have ruined it then, just laud him for what he's done with a comeback, right? And then for the four majors he has already, 
I want people to realize what it takes and how things have to go your way and how you got to make the right shot at the right time to win these things. And it's not as easy as what statistics or just arguments with your buddies over beers is like. And so yeah, I, I felt a bit for him with that miss on 18. And I, I think it was sort of telling that he would run straight to the punting green, avoid the media and stuff. Because if a player is confident in what's going on, then they'll be like, okay, I'll fulfill the um, obligations mm. because you know there, there's questions to be asked. And then you'll go deal with something because there's ample light. It's not like they're struggling for light down in South of England this time of the year. And then you go and hit a few putts or whatever. But they were grinding out there on the putting green. And I saw him, you know, demonstrating with his hands, like he feels like the face was open and he'd have to recover and stuff. So that for me was a little concerning some. And I find it so curious, Rick, because every time he was over a 15, 20 footer today, that freaking thing, if it wasn't going in, it was burning the edge of the hole. So it looked like from long range, he had it worked out because he was hitting putts aggressively. But all of a sudden, you got that three, four, five footer when it means something. And that's, that could be the difference. Yeah, the, he almost rolled in the birdie putt on 18. It yeah. burned the edge. It looked good the entire way. He ends up three jacking from there. You know, you you mentioned him going straight to the putting green. And I thought this was interesting, too, because that this is not new for Jordan. You know, he has missed these, these little layups uh, more frequently than his peers and more frequently than he should for the last... I don't know, year. I, I don't know how long it's been. So I, I was kind of like, wow, is 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 he going to work on something specific? Like, you know, this is something I'm sure he's worked on a ton over the last couple of months, these short ones, and he's still not feeling comfortable. I was wondering if a late night Saturday session on the putting green would be able to at least help with confidence or something, because this is an ongoing issue. Yeah, it, it always does, you know, going to the green. And, and that's why he had the little putting training aid there, which was essentially working on start lines so the blade wasn't coming the ball wasn't coming off the blade the way he intended obviously um for a guy so he had something to iron out there but for a guy that was not too concerned with technique and you missed a short one maybe you just go to the green and spend 15 minutes and you knock a few of those in and you just sort of see and hear the ball going in the hole so you you fill up your mind with with something positive and something uplifting but the fact that the uh the little training aid was out there tells me that there's a little something technical that's on the go. Um, and maybe he irons it out tonight. Who knows? Maybe it all turns out fine for Jordan and he has a famous victory, one for the ages, really, given where he's come back from. Um, but I, I, I don't know. There, there was a lot of grinding for a guy that um, had just finished his third round in a major championship. I thought so, too. Okay, uh, we have some other guys who are near the top of the board. I want to talk about some of the big names who are not near the top of the board as well. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
And we're back. Uh, Corey Connors is going to play with Jordan Spieth in the penultimate group. And then a couple of big boppers right behind those guys, John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler going out at 2.15 p.m. local. Mark, I I thought Rahm had kind of played himself out of this on, on Thursday. I believe he was one over. He has come back now with two really good rounds, probably still unlikely that he wins this but i loved his quote and his presser afterwards he said if i want to win this i have to be aggressive and then he basically made this comment that was like because if i don't win like who cares like there's no point in finishing t6 there's no point in finishing t9 or 35th or 55th it's winning or nothing it's the chaser's freedom. You know, I talked about the the leader's burden. That's the freedom that the chaser has, where you can go out there and say, he'll set himself a target. And Jack Nicholas was the master of this, and Tiger learned that from him, where he goes, all right, I've got to get myself to 15 under. So he goes, I need eight. And then you sort of chart your course, and then you set yourself a, a challenge, and you, you see the whole locations. He'll have the plan this evening, I'm certain. And then, well, he's got Adam Hayes staying with him. So I'm sure because Adam, the, the caddies will always go out because the whole locations are listed or they're marked on the green the day before. And you'll see the caddies marking them. So Adam's got the whole locations. So they'll go through those things tonight and they'll be like, green light, green light, green light, real light. And so they'll chart this thing. And then if he picks up one or two more bonus, you know, anything's possible. So yeah, he's he's now got the major championship. He knows he's probably still, even though he's not leading the form of the field right now, he's the high water mark. And so he's like, may as well just air it out. Let's start shooting. I'll tell you this much. He won't be firing at every flag Mm -hmm. because every bogey he makes tomorrow, that makes the job even more impossible. But if he gets off to a fast start and gets like a couple three under through seven, maybe after the par five, (laughs) then he's at 10, right? And then... If the leaders get to a slow start, it's all on on the back nine. So for me, Ram, you 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 part you buddy either one or two. You'll have wedges in there. You survive three and four and five. Then six, they got a short club in there with downwind. Seven's the par five. You know, if 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 he gets a couple three there, I think it could be a it could be on for the back nine. His playing partner is going to be Scotty Scheffler and our very own Kyle Porter points out Scheffler already in his young career, very good in major championships. He's played seven of them. He has six top twenties. There's just something about these events that he's able to kind of assert himself a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle Kyle got the statistic, right? I saw you called him out the other day for the top 10 count that he listed in our former podcast. Yeah. I got to keep checks on everybody, you know? (laughs) Um, you know what? And I will, yes, my mere culpa, because we, we, we talked about this and I'm like, I just don't see him playing well, given how high it's the thing, because now how hard the wind blows down there on that golf course. But the conditions have been beautiful. I mean, yeah. it's, it's been like Chamber of Commerce down in Sandwich. And so the conditions have played right up his alley. And he's a big time gamer. I mean, this guy, ever since he was a junior, has won everything he's played in. And he's done that at every level. And it's, uh, I think, a matter of time before he breaks out on the PGA Tour. I I think this golf course, the way it's playing right now, I think if there's someone that's vulnerable right now, and I use that term loosely, he can get a little little loose with his driver because of that wild footwork and he gets a bunch of body tilt going on. So all of a sudden, we saw it at the match play where it was essentially his tournament to lose and he started hitting some wild tee shots missing to the left-hand side. 
And if you're missing fairways, you've seen what the penalty is around here. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, the job's going to become real hard. So if you can keep the ball in play off the tee, who knows? Who, who knows? He's going to have to go and get it, but anything's possible. The two most disappointing rounds for me were Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka. Uh, they were a combined five over par. They made a combined four birdies together. Kepka bogeyed three of his first five. DJ was five over at one point during his round. Th- this was a moment on moving day that I thought these two were lurking. They were putting themselves in position. They were going to put a lot of pressure on the top of the board. Just didn't happen. I'm a little surprised at DJ. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. I'm not that surprised at Brooks. Okay. If he is not lying to everyone and saying, I didn't pick up a club leading into this tournament. If I was close enough to him, I'd say, Brooks, get your head out of your ass, man. This is, uh, you, you, I, I know you've been the major championship fiend, but goodness gracious, these are the world's best you're competing against. And you're playing links golf. You can't just cre- ease in there and think that people are going to hand this thing to you. And yeah, he, 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 to me in round two, I was impressed. I, I wish I could have been on the show with you guys because he didn't look like he was playing very well. And he basically just leveraged and bullied his way into a score to get to five under or whatever it was. I mean, that was, that was like something Jack Nicholas or Tiger would have done. And I was like, well, maybe this guy's going to prove me wrong. But if you're coming into a major championship where the margins are on the knife edge all of the time, where the pressure is ramped up, where everything is to the max. If you are operating with chinks in your, uh, with, 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 with uh, fissures in your armor, and, and there's a little pressure on some flawed technique or whatever, it's going to get exposed. And that happened today. And as for DJ, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's amazing the fall. You know, at one stage, just, what, eight short months ago, it looked like he was unbeatable, right? And he felt unbeatable. Then you suddenly realize you're beatable. And that's a tough place to be in the hotel room by yourself after, you know, when your, your game's gone from here to there because it becomes as mental as anything else. So I think if there's anything with Dustin, it, it's that, well, I was so good and now I'm not so good and, and where do I look next? Mm. Very, very interesting. I'm not sure how early you woke up on Saturday, Mark, but if you were up, Rory McIlroy was making plenty of noise early this morning and early in his round. He went out in 31. That's four under, and he was looking like vintage Rory before bogeys on 11. 13 and 15 kind of spoiled the party a little bit. It was still a one under 69, but we continue to see Rory kind of be Jekyll and Hyde at, at, at various points in, in these rounds. Yes. And I was up and I watched every shot. All right. <laughs> I know I, I noticed they took the camera off him a little while when the birdie runs sort of suspended. Um, and here's my take on Rory. Because everyone's frustrated as Rory is frustrated. And I want to say to folks, you think you're frustrated because you like him and you want him to do well. Trust me, what you're feeling, he is living, okay? And that's a hard place to be. And here's my take after watching him play, because the golf swing looked unencumbered. The putting stroke, he looked like he made stuff that counted. But I was gobsmacked or almost fascinated. On the second hole, he just birdied one. Two, he drives it in the fairway, has got a wedge of some sort in his hands. There's a left hole location where if you miss this left, you're making bogey, right? And then the wind's off the left-hand side. 
So Rory, old Rory, would turn this thing in there from right to left, hold the wind, if you will, play up against the invisible wall. Rory of late has overdrawn balls. He's either turned them too much or blocked them. And with a lofted wedge, that's easy if you get out in front of one. So all of a sudden, here's a guy going, well, I shouldn't really be attacking this hole, even though I've got a wedge in my hand. So if I hit it 15, 20 feet right of the flag, it's decent. So he undercuts this wedge a little bit to like 40 feet. It was hole high. So it wasn't a miss hit or anything. And here he is waving arms around the place, talking to Harry, demonstrating how he wanted the ball to go, wins from the left and all this animations and stuff. And I'm like, dude, you could two putt from there. You one under through two, go and get up their holes in front. And to me, it's almost this place now where I'm seeing Rory going, that wasn't the shot I was supposed to hit. There must be something up. And instead of just getting out there and hitting the shots, and if they work out, awesome, go and convert. If they don't work out, well, get your head into the next one and go and salvage a score. And that is, I, I, it, it sort of hit me like a ton of bricks today. Where he's hit a shot that wasn't good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not condoning the shot, but he's missed it in the right place. And in my estimations, that is one of the keys to playing professional golf. You must not let your misses cost you too much. You can recover from one. You can't recover from two, two spent. And uh, I, I was so interested because every shot, if it worked out, it was like, yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. If it didn't, you saw they're like, uh, this is what I'm expecting. And that didn't happen. And so it's changing his mindset by his actions. And, and, and I don't think that's advisable. Interesting. Almost like a strive for perfection on a shot by shot. <laughs> Yeah. basis. Hmm. Exactly Interesting. right. I'll keep an eye out for that. Our friends over at William Hill, um, they've done it. Louis Ustase, and as you would expect, the favorite. He is plus 150, one and a half to I'm one. I that. I really am. He's been playing great, Mark. He's one shot clear. He's, he's led every single round. What are they supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The way Spieth looked today, Spieth, someone texted my mom and she's like, Ask Mark who he thinks is going to win. This is this morning. And I looked at my mom. I'm like, you've seen as much golf as I have. Who do you think? And she goes, I think Spieth's going to win. <laughs> she goes, I want Louie to win. But I think Spieth. And I looked at her. I'm like, no, I think so too. Yeah. Just, it just, felt the, 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 he's, he's got sort of the wave of emotion behind him, you know. Um, but but still, I... I I, I, I'm surprised it's not a bit tighter there. So Morikawa is right behind Louis. He's two to one, and Spieth's five to one. They're they're laying a very enticing number. If anybody thinks that uh, Jordan Spieth is going to come from three behind and win this golf tournament, and then it's a really big gap to John Rahm, who is sixteen to one. Rahm is going to start today. Five shots clear. We already talked about how aggressive he's going to have to be if he gets off to a quick start. Maybe he's back in this thing. But our friends over at William Hill, Mark, uh, it it's it's a three horse race. The, the, the way that they have kind of laid this out, which I think is reasonable. It's fair. Um, I, I think I, I have a sense that maybe Ram will make a little noise just because of who he is. And he's the kind of name of that peloton where he makes a little noise early. He will turn the leaders heads. Yeah. If Corey Connors volume sex makes a few birdies and I love you, Corey, but, and I hope you kill it in the president's cup next year. <laughs> but if he makes a few birdies, they're going to go like, oh, it's all right. Uh, and the two leaders, if Spieth makes noise early, they know he won't go away. He might miss a short putt or something, but Jordan's sort of a closer, you know. Rory has said that to me, in fact. And so I, I think if Ram makes noise early, he'll turn some heads. But I'm, I'm telling you this one. I want Louis to win so bad for you and me and one and done.
I know. <laughs> but I would happily lay a little something on Jordan Spieth right now. I really would. Uh, I I tend to feel the same way. I think that number is a hair too long. I would be thrilled. Listen, I think no matter what happens, we are going to get um, a really great champion. We've got three already major champions at the top. We've got John Rahm lurking. Hey, if Scotty Scheffler wants to win it, if Corey Connors wants to win it, I'd be cool with that. I mean, we are we are in for 18 holes of what I think is going to be really compelling golf. This is where I got to give a little nod to our boy Kyle. Um, he tweet, he tweets a lot <laughs> and, so, and, and I almost wait for the next tweet to see what he's going to say next. Okay. But he put up a tweet, just, just sort of a reminder of the last time the open was held at this venue and what the leaderboard looked like. And it was a who's who with Ben Curtis just lodged right in the middle of all of these studs. And so uh, I'm <laughs> who, who's, who's they, they sort of a who's who, if you will. With Sheffield mixed in, and Connors mixed in there, because mm-hmm. I can't think you can go much farther than eight. Um, so I'm keen to see how the whole thing pans out tomorrow. Man, I'm hoping Louis pulls it off. I really do. Um, but he's he's going to have to stay in front of Jordan Spieth. He's gonna, just going to have to do it. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. Uh, so whoever whoever wins it is going to have to earn it on. Sunday, 18 holes to go. We'll be back after those final 18 uh, to break it all down. But for now, uh, let me thank producer Jacob. He does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there, it's Mark Immelman. You can find him at Mark underscore Immelman, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.